Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bona Adhesives. I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. All right, Rob, something that you talk about quite a bit. Uh, one of our listeners called in or, or, or wrote in and asked if we could do a show on coding difficult areas. Um, and it occurred to me when I was thinking about that, that how important it is when two guys are working together, that they're in tune with each other. Um, you know, the first, um, the first time I experienced this and I went to work as a rep and I went on a job to help guys code a floor. English wasn't their first language and I don't speak any other language in English. So, um, they're ahead of me. At least they, 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 they understood English, uh, really well, but, um, you know, I, got everybody organized, we, we mixed up the finish and we're ready to start coating the floor. I walked the job, I thought to myself, okay, it makes sense, we're gonna start here and then we'll kind of work our way through here and then we'll bring in the hallway and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of like pointed out what I was gonna do and everybody's looking at me, no one's really saying much. So I said, okay, let's go. So I had a, I had a, a gallon of finish, somebody else had a gallon of finish, I had a T-bar, somebody else had a T-bar and there were like two guys that cut in pads. So, Pretty, pretty decent sized job. So basically I said, go. And I lost control of it in 13 seconds. <laughs> it, I, I never seen anything like it before in my life, man. Everybody went different directions, started coding their own world, doing their own thing. And, and um, I, I was like, holy smokes, man. I didn't even, I wasn't even, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about bringing that room into the equation right now. And every guy's coming down the hallway already and we have, we're not gonna have time to tie in everything. And it's like, I've never lost control over something so fast in my life. And it was at that time I realized there's a lot of ways to coat a floor. And, um, you know, when you get into with a couple guys coding a, on a job site and one guy goes and does coach his area. And a good example is, let's say, a, a kitchen island. Like if you're, let's say you're, you're uh, using a lamb's wool applicator or something and you're, you're putting on poly and you're coating the floor and a guy has a brush, a four-inch brush, uh, and he's, you know, cutting in, but now he's going to cut in around the island because, you're, you know, you're busy doing something else. And his mill thickness is completely different than yours. Or if a guy's cutting in the borders on a water-based finish and he's cutting in razor thin with his, with his applicator and you're coming with a T-bar and you're, you're coating, you know, quite a bit of difference mill thickness, that marriage line where they come together, or even the sheen difference could be different because of the thickness of the, uh, of the, uh, the product they're putting on the floor. So all those things have to be taken into consideration. You know, you're talking about you had to work with a crew that didn't understand you. Uh, I had the same, same thing happen to me. I had this guy, uh, contractor, call me up and he said, hey, can you train my guys on this recode system? Um, we're, we get this chain of restaurants. And I was like, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, and he goes, yeah, we just need you to, you know, train them on the first one. They can. They know how to pull T-bars and everything, but, you know, they want the whole reco process. I said, yeah, abs no problem. This would be great. Night job. Go in there. Everything's set. Everything's ready to go. But this guy couldn't make it. The guy I had talked to. All of his guys, Spanish-speaking guys that did not understand me. I didn't understand them. They didn't understand me. And I was kind of you know, I was kind of laughing at myself about it, like how, you know, this is going to be an all night pantomime type thing. 
So what I finally did was called the guy. He gave me the number of another guy. And the whole night we had that guy on speakerphone. The whole, the whole night he was on speakerphone translating everything. And it actually, it went pretty good. I was really shocked how having that guy on the phone really helped. Felt bad for him. He had to sit there on the phone all night long. But I didn't know what else to do because it was going to be a long night if they couldn't understand a word I was saying. Um, and what you were just saying about mill thickness, you know, I know this is going to be about tight spots, difficult areas. Um, also, you know, different products are going to be a little bit tougher sometimes. And things with the pigments in it, I am really big on teaching that in a school that every pass you make, you're switching your hands. So it's always the same exact pressure, whether you're coming or going, and going down or coming back, it's always the same pressure. And if you don't switch your hands, you just kind of turn and walk backwards rather than walking forward with the T-bar, you're, you're pulling instead of dragging. You should always be dragging it. And I know everybody, you know, you might think, oh, that's, that's pulling and dragging the same thing. Really not. When you're dragging it behind you, you're really not putting any pressure at all. So when you make that turn, you switch those hands and you're dragging it again. Yeah, makes sense. When you um, when you were talking about the guys that couldn't understand you, it's amazing what we talk about this industry being a brotherhood. I've been in that situation before where we really just don't understand each other. We all know what has to get done. We have to coat the floor, but we can't really communicate very well. But as you get into it and everybody starts to realize, okay, I said what he's doing. He knows what I'm doing. We find a way that we start working together. At the end, even though you don't speak the same language, man, you're speaking the same language, right? Everybody gets it. Everybody knows it. Then you're, you're, you're high five each other at the end of the job or whatever, or you, you, know, you get that look like, yeah, we killed this. Every, that's universal, man. Everybody understands that feeling. You know, it's funny you said that because I remember we probably finished up around, I don't know, three, four o'clock in the morning. And, um, we were all standing around the parking lot, you know, they're loaded up, everything was done. And it was pretty cool, you know, that we had accomplished that whole thing. We really didn't understand each other, but, you know, we kicked the hell out of that floor. We did a great job. And you could see that everybody was pumped about it, you know, like, like you said, you know, a little bit of a brotherhood formed there that night. Yep. No doubt cool. about it. And yeah. usually, uh, and that's why it's funny at the schools, we, when anybody goes to a bonus school, we feed everybody well. And um, that's when you can see everybody kind of get together and, and break bread together. And, you know, the, now the, the, you know, 12 guys or 15 guys or whatever that come from different parts of the country, didn't know each other. All of a sudden they're a family. You know what I mean? They're all, we are a squad, man. That is, that is one of the best parts of our schools. I don't want to get off track. I've said it a million times, but you know, 12 individuals show up and a team walks out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. I think, and it just happened again last week in Jersey. Um, a lot of them didn't want to leave. They were hanging out in the parking lot. They were talking yeah. with each other. They were exchanging numbers and cards and, you know, they're going to work together on a couple of jobs. Um, I saw the same thing happen. In you see the same thing everywhere. 
mm-hmm. that, you know, like I said, they come as individuals and they leave as brothers. It's a pretty cool thing to see. It's as corny funny. as that sounds, I no. still love seeing that, man. I just love seeing that at the end of a class. And, and it's not corny. And I can tell you that um, we did it. I think you were, you must have been in there in this class. Uh, Tim Murphy went to our class in Nashville. He's the older guy that sat in the back of the classroom and said, hey, really don't need this. I mean, this is more for my guys than anything else. And uh, but he stayed in the trade longer than he thought, maybe five years or so. And um, he called me out of the blue uh, Sunday. Uh, we're doing this. This uh, this is Tuesday. He called me three days ago and he goes, hey, Wayne, I'm just thinking about you, man, because I see the floods in Nashville and I was worried about to make sure you're OK down there. Wow. You know I mean? Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. You know, yeah. and then we just started talking about floors. And how much the floor blows up when it when uh, with moisture and floods and the work and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, man, it, it's it's pretty cool these relationships that uh, that we form with the students that 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 are lifelong. A lot of students, man. I mean, I, I got a lot of friends that I have because of the bonus schools. Um, but anyhow, we're getting off track. Um, I think hey, it really, you know one thing. Let's let's talk about one thing. There was a pretty pretty bad disaster that happened in um down your neck of the woods right central tennessee somewhere yeah, in there that's what i'm talking about yeah um you know if, if there's any floor guys that that got jammed up or something and you need a little help please feel free to reach out to us you know we've helped guys who have had fires we've you know bonus helped a lot of people so if there's somebody out there that uh you know you got jammed up because of the flood or anything make sure you reach out to us and we'll see what we can do see if how we can help you yeah good call um so uh, the need for for coding in difficult areas and difficult situations the need for learning how to use different applicators i think is huge Uh, and i think more more now than ever before because you know you pointed out i disagreed with you but you pointed out that um Customers are tip, more difficult than they were in the past. I don't know if that's the case, but I do know that the internet, the internet has made things a little bit more difficult for guys uh, with customer expectations and everything. So using how to use a brush, and I'll be, I don't care what anybody says, there is a time and a place for a brush on a job. Uh, cut-in pads. Uh, I thought a cut-in pad was a cut-in pad was a cut-in pad until I seen a guy that he, he, he coats his whole floors with a cut-in pad on, a, on like a four-foot pole that he screws into it. And that's his system. And while I think, in a way, I would do that, I've found a, a, a few instances when that was the way to go. When I was adding tint to a floor in a kitchen in a small area, that, that came in handy for me. So I, I talk about rolling is one of the best things I ever learned about coding floors, but no way would I, I roll every one of my jobs. I don't roll all my floors. I, I don't roll all my coats. There's sometimes when I know I'm going to roll the last coat, but I wouldn't think of rolling the first coat. I personally don't belong in, believe in rolling seal coats. That's my own personal opinion. Um, people do it all the time and love it, and I have no problem with that, but that's my feeling. But my point is, Knowing how to use different applicators, depending on the layout of the floor, uh, is is huge to me. And then also uh, blue tape, taping off areas, uh, I think is very important, especially if you work by yourself. 
or the conditions don't favor the job site. We talk about, you know, working around the sun. That also, you know, with a, with a solar gain, uh, making sure that you use clear plastic and everything in those, those type of situations, I think is huge. Um, and by the way, I, I pull the plastic tape. Uh, I pull the plastic off after I do my last vacuuming on a job, and then I'll vacuum one more time. Um, just in case anything fell off of the off of the uh, off of Bisqueen, but I think th those things can help you go a long way in um, in difficult job site settings. Um, you know, I think another thing that can help is sometimes you really need to sit down and write out a plan, map out the job. Sometimes, you know, if it's a dining room, living room connected. We kind of know where we're going to start and where we're going to end. But uh, Baum asked me to come help him on a job one day because it was a coding nightmare with a T-bar. It was probably nine rooms, four upstairs, all into a, a center entrance hallway, flight of stairs, landing, you know, and then downstairs, all sorts of three-foot walls in between the rooms, you know. So when I walked in and looked at it, I immediately thought, okay, just like that crew did when, when you said in 13 seconds, we lost control of the job, right? So as soon as I looked at the room, I go, okay, yeah, we'll do this. We'll start here and here and here and go. And for some reason I stopped. And of course I got a cup of coffee and I sat down and I really drew out a map, a plan. And as soon as I started drawing it, completely changed the way that we were going to do it. What we ended up doing, because that was such a coding nightmare, was, and I, Bona calls it working off a dry line. I, I like to call it also building escape routes. And we went around and just pulled escape routes in all the rooms. And by the time, you know, we started upstairs where we wanted to start, built our escape routes out there. Then we went downstairs, did all escape routes again. And by the time we were done downstairs, the upstairs was dry, was ready to go. It was first coat, bare wood. So we were, we were cranking. So now Bum's like, well, you know, should we take this off? I'm like, no, man, I'll, I'm surgical. I can get right up to that. We'll be, we'll be fine. He was more comfortable with taping it off. So I let him tape it off just to make sure that he was comfortable. You know, whatever he could, whatever we could do to get him comfortable, especially where it was his job. Okay. But I would have been like that guy that was with you in that first 13 seconds if I didn't sit down and really draw it out. I would have made a huge mistake. But by really having a good plan and building those escape routes and taping those lines off, you know, it came out great. Yeah. And uh, now uh, with the low, the low sheen finishes with the, was those breaking points where we tape off breaking points. So we know, you know, we're going to come, we're going to go to the inside of the door jam. But by the time you get back around to it, you don't know, well, there's this last board I, I, I coded or was it this board? So I'll, I'll put a coin on the first dry board sometimes. So I know that's the board that I got to coat. But uh, yeah, you're right, uh, coming up with a game plan. What's interesting too, is sometimes 
the way you code it on the first, because there, there could be different ways you could code the floor depending on the layout. And sometimes I'll code the first floor a certain way and, and I go, you know what, I didn't like that. Let's try it this way now. Let's do that room first and come out this way. I didn't like the way that that flowed last time. So you'll sometimes learn on the first coat uh, that there's things you need to change by the time you get to the second and third coats. Yeah, we do that sometimes when we're coating gyms. If we're doing two coats, we'll go out one door on one and then go the opposite way on the other coat just to yeah. make sure that everything is good. And it's coated the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Multi-directional floors can be a challenge. With the, there's a lot of Chevron floors out there and, and uh, herringbone floors. I um, coated, uh, actually, uh, in my own house, uh, a pattern floor. And um, I, I roll pattern floors. I had a guy with me. Uh, English is also not his second or his first language. Very good, uh, very good uh, uh, floor man. Uh, was a fr friend of mine. And um, he T-barred he it, the second coat. Because he goes, no, no, man, I'll, I'll T-bar, I'll T-bar. I go, no, I'm not a pattern floor. I don't, I don't want to. He goes, no, it's okay. It's, I got it. And I went, all right, I can't. I'm not going to argue with this guy. We got to put the third coat on anyhow, and I'll probably roll that. But it looked fine. The, the, the way he put the, the finish on and, and the, the amount of product he put on, everything flowed out nice and it was not an issue. So it just depends on, a, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. Let's talk about, you know what, let's, let's touch on a couple of those factors. Coverage rates. Coverage rates are huge. Because when you get down the right coverage rate, things are going to flow and level. And on these pattern floors, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a nice, slow flow and level. We don't want this to flash off really quick, you know? So especially on bare wood, and we, I think you definitely want to be slicking things off with a multi-disc or a power drive to a 120, hitting it with a Tampico brush. I mean, we just prove it day after day in our schools of how much better you get, especially on that first coat. When you burnish that off with a 120 Tampico brush, it gives you some flow and level time that you, you know is absolute on these first first coat on bare wood. Well, I mean that's you know, we you know one of the uh, the things that 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 can plague us on on coating a job is streaks in the finish, and the 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 flow and leveling has so much to do with that, as does the airflow. We talk about cutting off the airflow uh, beforehand, uh, which is huge on, on, on jobs, making sure you get plenty of, uh, of time to work the product. Also, guys, Tennessee sometimes uh, to, to overwork the product, you know, and, and uh, in a way play with it too much. You know, to me, it's put it down, feather it one time if you need to, and go on and leave Bingo. it. Bingo. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I call that when we're teaching that in the school, feather it one time and keep moving. You don't yeah. have all the time in the world, but I also tell the students, trust the process, okay? Yeah. We've shut down the airflow. We use the Tampico brush. We burnish this to 120. There's no hot spots on the floor. We've taken every precaution, feather it one time and move on. And that is the new, that's my new saying, man, is trust the process. Because if you don't trust your process, you're going to keep going back and feathering and feathering and feathering until 
you've just overworked the product and now you're just creating issues that didn't need to be there. Well, it's funny. Uh, you say trust the process uh, that goes to your sanding jobs too. You know what I mean? Find out what, figure out your, what your process is and stay on that. I see a lot of times guys do, you know, 10 different steps, but it could have been done in four steps when it comes to the sanding. And, and a lot of times that's because if you're not quite sure, you tend to throw the kitchen sink at it. Well, I'll take it to 120, then I'm going to go 180, then I'm going to hit it with this, then I'll do the, the, the steel plates, and I won't use the steel plates, and all these different things when, you know, we're, we need to get paid on this, right? I mean, you know, this isn't a hobby. You want to make, you want to be consistent. You want to be a certain process. You want to be able to trust that process. You're not getting chatter marks of these different issues. The perimeter is done properly. Once you figure out that process, you don't change that, right? I mean, it, it, from, from species to species, it might change, whatever, but basically you got your system down and you're right. And, and you mentioned the Tampico brush, which you know, I'm a massive fan of the Tampico brush. I think that is a game changer. It's so inexpensive. It takes us little time. There's certainly ways that you could, when you talk to the homeowner, you could even, gosh, that's even, a, you could show a picture of a floor that's been half of the Tampico brush, half not. It's huge. I mean, it has a sheen on it. This is such a good job of. Uh, of uh, that's my, uh, that's uh, one of the cool things that I like to do in the class is to use a Tampico brush where we can step back and catch it in the glare of sunlight. Yeah. And, you know, you leave one section of the floor Tampicoed and the other not Tampicoed. And the floor that's Tampicoed looks like there's a coat of finish on it. The sheen level is that much. If we, if we do another show about favorite products, that's going to be one of my new favorite products. I mean, now that I've really been using it for the past four or five years, wow, what an inexpensive way to just help with that flow and level in and, you know, much less grain raise. Yeah. Uh, also, Rob, um, I, I always have to bring up stains because you know, one of the things that I preach a lot about is honoring the dry time. And um, I, I see some guys, sometimes guys get on the stain so fast. You know what I mean? That, yeah, I, I get it. The, the temptation that you got finished staining by, you know, by three o'clock. If we just hang out another couple hours, we can put a coat on. And there are times when that is, that is, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's achievable. But um, man, um, to me, honoring the dry time, let them solvents gas out. Don't you want to add that to our list of commandments? I've I've tried to get that across to, to Bona and it hasn't been that. Uh, yeah. uh, it's because, um, and we preach that on everything. Yeah. Top coats, sealers, water yeah. popping, stains, craft oil. Yeah. Dry times, just the can, what's recommended on the can is when you have the absolute perfect conditions. Yeah. And so, and, you know, I was showing the students that last week in Jersey, the humidity levels inside of the building, you know, there was just amazing heat and storms going through Jersey last week. We, we had at one point a dew point inside of the building of 70. Wow. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was kind of funny. I mean, talk about banding together as brothers, man. It was two and three shirts apiece each day. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, that's nice. And nuts. you could really see that those that heavy humidity, those humidity levels wreaked havoc on everything we were doing. Yeah. Stains, sealers. I mean, it was it was crazy. But 
I was like, you know, I like to turn things into lemonade and this was perfect time to do it. It wasn't perfect conditions, but the floors came out perfect because we were following all the rules, man, you know, to a T. Yeah. Um, it, we're so much affected by, by the conditions, the weather conditions in the house, the atmosphere and the, the humidity and those type of thing, the solar gain. And, and there's so much that goes into it, the temperature um, that, you know, you put on one side of the equations, the machines have gotten better. The process has gotten better. Uh, the tools have gotten better. So for heaven's sakes, honor the dry time of the stain and don't let that be the one that catches you. Uh, there's a lot more stains out there. Even, even the techniques of putting stains on now, uh, I still think uh, buffing and buffing off stains to me is, is, is one of the biggest improvements of my lifetime when dealing with stains. I know guys still don't, not all guys buff on and buff off. They still rag on and rag off, which no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but um, I, in both cases, sometimes I see where the, there's a lot of pigment left on the floor uh, after it was, uh, I'll, I'll do it air quotes, wiped off. Uh, where I think that really there's still too much pigment on the floor. So don't let that catch you and make sure you honor the dry time. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing too, we're talking about coding difficult areas. Um, you know, let's say you got a parquet or a chevron pattern and somebody wants a natural seal on that. Now there's some pigment in that, right? Um, I've been telling guys, you know, think out of the box a little bit. Uh, we make a craft oil air that looks exactly like natural seal. And I know to buff on craft oil or apply craft oil on that Chevron or Parquet, that's going to be a lot easier than trying to pull a T-bar across that or coating in very small sections a little at a time just so we get a good blend. Uh, same thing with those patterns. And you know, somebody says they want Nordic seal. I'll try buffing on white, see what the white stain looks like. If you need to add more white to a white stain, you can always put Nordic seal on top, but you're not working on bare wood at that point. Yeah. There's, a, there's a coat down, there's a sealer down, which is going to help give a little bit more flow and level. So, yeah. you know, sometimes think outside of the box here and, you know, try to make things easier on yourself. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, the, the um, anxiety in thinking of pulling a natural seal with a T-bar over a chevron or, you know, some kind of multi-directional floor, to me, there's absolutely no anxiety in applying a coat of craft oil air. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and then uh, also bundling the finish. Well, wait a minute. What'd you just say? Yeah, go ahead and give yourself a bell. It's a really uh, good point. I'm going yeah. to take two bells on that. Yeah, one. nice work. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, bundling the finish too, Rob, I think is uh, very important on, on big open rooms. Uh, you know, why take a chance that there may be a difference in sheen, whatever, uh, between one, one gown and the next? Just bundle them both together and um, get that, take that off the, out of the equation. I, also, we say it all the time, but high-end painters, they strain everything. Uh, it doesn't take maybe 10 seconds to strain your finish. Uh, I put a piece of uh, cheesecloth, or I used to use it like use a nylon across the top of that container, a pair of nylons, cut that, put it on there, and uh, you'd know there's nothing coming out of there except a nice clean finish. So 
All right. So I, I hope we answered some of the questions that the, uh, the gentleman, when he asked about coding difficult jobs. Um, anything else to add to it, Rob? Um, I think sometimes guys always want to be able to attack a floor with a broad sword, a big, you know, just always thinking that they can pull an 18 inch T-bar across everything or, you know, just roll it. And I think sometimes with these more difficult floors, and I remember having this conversation with a guy and he's like, yeah, I agree with you, but it's 3,500 feet. And I was like, well, you know, I hate to sound like a jerk, but you might have to attack it, you know, one row at a time here and just keep moving on. And yes, I understand it's 3,500 feet, you know, maybe get another guy in there to help you. But I think sometimes guys aren't willing to attack things in a small type situation. And, you know, sometimes if you attack it small, it takes you a little longer. It's better than attacking it big and having to do it over. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm big into bass fishing and or bass fishing, not bass fishermen. Uh, and, and as a bass fisherman, if I could catch them on, on top water, I do it every day. I love catching bass on top water, but I know that that's not always the case. It's not, you know, so you can't just because I like throwing top water doesn't mean it's going to work all the time. And sometimes I got to go to a plastic. So I got to do another technique. And just because I like running a T-bar all the time doesn't make, make it the right uh, applicator for, for every in, environment situation that I'm in. Uh, that's why uh, we talk about going to the schools, go to the Bona RTC Center, getting a hold of your territory manager, practice on one of our panels. Oh. Learn how to roll, bring it down there, make your mistakes on the panel. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I'm going to give you a bell. Thank you very much. I tell that to so many guys, okay? Use our place, our, our training centers, and people have heard me say it a million times. It's a batting cage. It's a driving range. It's just someplace to go practice, work on your swing. But it's also the place to go when that homeowner hands you a magazine and says, I want this. And you have no idea how you're going to do it. Well, yeah. don't. Don't do the experiments on her floor. Come to our training center. Call one of the guys who runs a training center. Call somebody in training. They'll meet you there. They'll give you all the products you need. All the equipment is there. There's multi-different species on these different panels, maple, oak, white oak, birch. I mean, if, if you can't figure it out there, you can't figure it out anywhere. Then yeah. when you figure out your game plan, now, when you walk on the job, you look like a rock star. You look like you've been doing this all day long. And it doesn't necessarily have to be during a school as well. I mean, like Rob said, get a hold of a territory manager uh, uh, and just say, listen, I'm trying to figure this out at rolling or I got a color situation I'm trying to figure out. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure they can meet you down there and uh, and get it done and might have some insight along the way. So, all I mean, right. The, schools, uh, the training centers are great for the schools. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I... I love having all of our training centers. I mean, we're, we're second to none with that. But, you know, we only do a couple of schools a year at these training centers. These things are usually wide open for guys to come in and, you know, oh, I've heard about the power drive. Well, don't buy it till you try it. Come on in, try it. Try our yeah. big machine. Yeah. Try buffing on stain if you never did. You know, try a craft oil. Learn right. there. You know, that's why they're there. 
like I said, we only do two, three schools a year tops at these training centers. The rest of the time, they're just wide open for you guys to come in and practice and learn. And absolutely, that's, that's how we want them to be used. All right. Okay, Rob, I appreciate it. Good, good talk to you. Good seeing you as usual. And um, this has Always been a another- pleasure, Wayne. Always yeah. a pleasure. Thank you, sir. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode. 